are demolished today in the name of Jesus. You have given us victories in the past. You have given us victories today. And in all our tomorrows, our lives shall be filled with triumphs, with victory. The victory of the cross of Christ. The victory of the crucifixion of Jesus. Thank you for making us heirs of God and join us with Christ. Thank you for making us more, more than conquerors through Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. I ask that you touch people, touch people by the power of your spirit. I pray that those who are not born again, who are in the valley of decision, will make a decision to receive Christ today as your personal Savior and as your Lord. I pray them now out of darkness into your light. In Jesus' name. Let that which blinds people, the veils be lifted off. In Jesus' name, may their hearts receive your word. May there be illumination in their spirit, in your heart, in the name of the Lord Jesus. I command the blindness of your minds to be removed by the light of the word of God. In Jesus' name, bless the house of God. Bless the house of God. and Make your people a blessing to humanity. I thank you. Praise you for hearing and for answering. Use me, Lord, as an instrument of your glory. In the name of Jesus, as your battle axe to break asunder gates of brass and bars of iron. Thank you for breakthroughs. Thank you for open doors. For all who hear this word today, by the power of the cross, we have victory in Christ. And for this we say thank you. In Jesus' matchless name, we pray with thanksgiving. And the house of God, the people around the world said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you richly. Praise the Lord. Welcome to our True Light Broadcast, World Missions Ministries. I'm Pastor Anthony Kirkson, and it's my joy and pleasure to share with you today God's holy word. Amen. I've been teaching a series on wisdom, and today we're looking specifically at God's wisdom in the cross of Christ. God's wisdom in the cross of Christ is actually God's hidden, hidden wisdom, but it's just going to be too long. So God's wisdom in the cross, but looking at the wisdom of God that was hidden in the cross. Praise God. And why actually is this so important? Because without the cross, we are not, we, we have no salvation. Without the cross of Jesus, there is no salvation. I want you to come with me to 1 Corinthians chapter. First Corinthians chapter 1, and, and this is going to uh, help us just see from the very onset that we need to know this message, we need to know about the cross of Christ. So First Corinthians chapter 1 from verse 17 to 24, 1 Corinthians 1. 17. 
For Christ sent me not to baptize, Holy Spirit, but to preach the gospel. To preach the gospel. So according to Paul, the preaching of the gospel was more important to him than baptizing people. Right? Priority. Not that there's anything wrong with baptism. What a baptism following salvation is good to do. Okay, so first read is 1.17. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with wisdom of words. So we preach with words, but not the wisdom of human words, human philosophies. Also, but actually the wisdom of God. It says, otherwise, the cross of Christ would be made of no effect. So Paul is called to preach the gospel with the wisdom of God, confirmed by the power of God, manifesting the word that he's preaching, so that the cross of Christ would be made effective, effectual, dynamic in its operation. So what he's saying right there is this. The cross of Christ has an impact, has an effect. Right? Look at it again. Let the Bible just speak to us. Verse 17. 1 Corinthians 1, 17. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with wisdom of words. Otherwise, the cross of Christ should be made of non-effect. So, if the cross of Christ should not be made of non-effect, it should be made of what? It should be effective. Amen. So, there is power in the preaching of the cross of Christ. When the revelation of the cross is given to the human heart, something happens. There is transformation. There is change. So today, as you are receiving God's word, things will happen in the spirit realm. There will be an impact made on your heart, in your life. There will be change. There will be transformation. You have to take God at his word. Just believe not me. Believe God's word. Amen. Paul is saying here, the preaching of the gospel with the wisdom of God, which wisdom is confirmed with miracles, signs, and wonders, proves this, that there is power in the cross of Christ. Amen. If you don't preach the gospel, people will not know of the cross of Christ. And therefore, what Christ did on the cross for humanity will have no effect. But, God forbid, what Christ did on the cross will have an effect. It will avail much. It will produce much. Just quickly do this. Come with me to chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And look at Paul, Paul explaining himself, in from 1 Corinthians 1.17, he explains himself that 
his preaching was not with wisdom of words. So in chapter 2, Paul explains himself and tells us what his preaching was with. What, what was it like? What it came with? Alright? So, 1 Corinthians 2 verse 4 and my speech and my preaching. You see that? My speech and my preaching. So in 1 Corinthians 1, 17, he told us he preached the gospel not with wisdom of words, but he preached it with what? With wisdom of God manifested by power, confirmed by power. Amen. Not with wisdom of words, but action. Wisdom manifested in action. You just think about it. If I say I'm doing this not by mere words, what do I mean? If I say it's not mere words, I mean I'm acting on what I said. If somebody tells you something, I'm going to do something, this is not just mere words. And what they're saying, what they're implying is that there'll be proof, there'll be action. So Paul preaches the gospel and tells people about the cross of Christ, and he says it's not really with mere words. Meaning there was action. Praise God. There was proof confirming the word of God which he was preaching. Amen. God's word will change your life. God's word will bless you. Amen. God's word is part of God himself. And no word of is devoid of power. The word of God will not go out of God and return to God empty. God's word will always do that for which God sent it. As you're listening to God's word now, the word of God is working in you who effect, who believe in the word. The word will work effectually in you who believe it, who take it not as, as a word of a man, but as in truth, the word of God. Amen? So, Paul's preaching, what was it like? He explains it himself. We don't have to assume it. We don't have to tell, share our opinion. Let's just read what he says. Verse, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 4. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom. But in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. You see that? So Paul's preaching was not with empty words, words of man's wisdom. It was not with enticing words to manipulate you. But it was God's wisdom. Which wisdom the Holy Spirit confirmed with miracles, signs, and wonders following. That's how God works. Here he gives us the reason why God did that. Paul preached the cross of Christ. He preached the wisdom of God. And God confirmed it with demonstrations of the Holy Spirit and with power. For what reason? Why? So that people who follow Paul? No. So your faith will be in your prophet, your pastor? No. 
have today. That's just, it's wrong. It's messed up. Look at why. Why did God do this? Verse 5. Let the Bible speak to us. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 5. So that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Amen. So why does God confirm the preaching of the cross, the preaching of the gospel, the preaching of his wisdom to people? Why does he confirm it with signs and wonders, with the demonstration of the spirit and of power? Why does he do that? He does it so that your faith may be in God. But often what happens today is that people's attention gets drawn to the man of God or the woman of God, the bishop or the archbishop or this great person. That's not how Christianity is supposed to be. Christianity is not centered on your pastor. It's not on me. Christianity is Christ-centered. It's centered on Christ. The name is Christianity, Christ. It's after Christ. We got a name because unbelievers saw believers who acted like the Messiah, like the Christ. In Acts 11, verse 26, it says that they were first called Christians in Antioch. Amen. Let me just confirm that, just quickly. Acts 11, I said verse 26, let me see. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. Acts 11, 26. Look at that. The name Christians began all over 10 years after Christ had gone to heaven. Amen. It wasn't when Peter and the rest were preaching. It was after Paul got saved. It says the Christians were first called, the people were first called Christians in Antioch, not even Jerusalem. It was in Syria. <laughs> Isn't that fascinating? So when, when the, this following Jesus, when it started, what was it called? They were called the people of the way. Because Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth the life. Nobody goes to the Father except by me, except through Jesus. Alright? So we were first, it was called the way, the people of the way. That was our name for about 10 years before we were called Christians. So you learned something. Alright. Praise the Lord. Okay. Let me just support this. Why does God His word with miracles, signs, and wonders follow. We just saw that in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Let me support it with Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 2. Let's see, Hebrews 2. And verse 4. Verse 4. God also bearing them witness. 
both with what? Signs and wonders. And with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, according to his own will. I want to read it in context in a moment, but just look at just technically. There's the verse 4. What's he saying? Verse 4, Hebrews 2, 4. God performed signs, wonders, diverse miracles, gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his will. Why? The first part of verse 4 tells us why. God bore them witness. God also bearing them witness. God producing proof. God confirming what his preachers, apostles, and ministers were preaching. All right, to be to understand it better, we start from verse 1. Hebrews 2, verse 1. Therefore, we who are hearing God's word, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. So what you're hearing, you need to take seriously. Sometimes I'm actually not sure where when to say some of these things and I would challenge believers to just dare to be different from what is popular and stick with the word of God. You see, we, we have some teachings today that sometimes suggest that regardless of how you just live, and if you don't contend for the faith, just because you live in God's grace, things are just going to happen okay for you. It's not true. It's not. It's just it's a cheap message. It's a cheap message. The, 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 the grace of God and the revelation of the grace of God did not start five years ago. It started when Jesus Christ came into this world. And when Jesus was raised from the dead, disciples were contented from the faith. Since then, it is a cheap message of grace that you just tell people, just because you live in grace, God's just going to take care of it. You don't have to pray. God's just going to take care of it. You don't have to find and cast things out. It, that's, that's just a cheap message. It's not, it's not the gospel. Sometimes it's so hard to teach it to them because it's, it's not popular. People, people switch off. They don't want to hear that. They just, they just want you to tell them something sweet. You know, it's just going to be all right. It's going to be all right. No, it's not going to be all right if you just sit there and take what the devil is doing. You have to take authority over the enemy and rebuke him in Jesus' name. According to Mark 16, we have to cast out demons. So if demons are messing up with your life, and you just sit there and say, well, I live in the period of grace. God is going to watch over me. And you don't cast the demons out. Listen. It's not going to go well. If a pastor is just listening to people who teach you just one aspect of grace and you're not walking in authority, you will be defeated even though you're born again. Listen right here. He says, verse 2, Hebrews 2, verse 1. Hebrews 2, verse 1. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed. 
not even give heed, give them more earnest heed. It's just like if you are at work and your boss comes in and says, pay particular attention to this. You will do that at work. But when you come to church and I read the same scripture, pay particular attention, you're like, oh no, pastor's putting me under condemnation. No, it's not condemnation. God's talking to you. You need to pay attention. Amen. It's like preach the gospel. Go into the whole world and preach the gospel. Well, I live under grace. God's going to save them anyway. No, they don't get saved until we preach. How will they hear if there's nobody preaching to them? And how's a preacher going to go unless a preacher is sent out? And sometimes if you don't have the money to go, you just can't go. <laughs> you can't go. It takes money to buy a microphone, buy a camera. Somebody has to leave their home, make time to set everything up. It, it just, things just don't happen because 10 years ago, you started hearing about grace. It's a chief message. Grace started when Jesus Christ came into this world. And through much tribulation, we entered the kingdom. That's also in the Bible. They went everywhere preaching the gospel. God confirming the word. God working with them. Confirming his word with miracles, signs, and wonders. They cast demons out. They confronted witch doctors and turned cities around. Read Acts chapter 8. Philip, one person, one disciple, without fear of the devil, went into the city of Samaria and turned that whole place around because he preached things concerning the kingdom of God, the name of Jesus Christ. When you read it, it says, Acts 8, he preached things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. And he broke the power of witchcraft in one city. What are you doing today? What are you doing today? So look at the word of God. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things. Pay attention, God says. Which we have heard. Lest at any time we should let them slip. Let them slip is like this. Just bear with me for a moment. He's going to demonstrate something. Not fully because I don't want to mess up. But for those of you who are not watching, just listening, I'm just going to pretend I'm going to pour water into my palm. If I poured water into my palm, it'll just what? Slip out. That's the picture here. The things that you hear, if you don't act on it, they'll slip away. Do you know how many sermons you have heard or I've heard? <laughs> so many. Most of them I don't remember. I don't remember, but I can remember being in the service and something impacted me. Then I walked with that thing, that one thing. So God used that one thing to add to my life. Then I go somewhere else, some other message. I may not remember the person, but God does something. Then you don't let it slip. You act on it. It adds another thing to your life. That is walking in the grace of God. By grace, he gave you the revelation. By grace, he stopped the minister in the middle of what he had planned to speak into your life. And it quickened your spirit so that it will build you up on your most holy faith. That's what God is saying. And when you run with it, it does not slip like water passing through your fingers. Otherwise, if you don't pay attention to what you've been told, it will slip away. Be like this. 
pour water into my palm, it'll all drain out. That's what he's saying here. Verse 2, for if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape? <laughs> how shall... God help us, Jesus. Today the teaching is that Jesus was judged for you, so it doesn't matter what you do, you will not be judged. That's a lie. Jesus was judged for us so that Adam's sin will be taken care of. That's done. You don't have to pay for that. It says paid in full. That's finished. Amen. But as we walk with God, the Bible says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if, if God says that, then that means he's making a provision so that you don't stay in sin, but you confess it, and God deals with it, and irons the creases out of your life, removes the blemishes and the spots. Let me tell you, we have spots, we have blemishes, and God is dealing with that by his word and his spirit. Amen. Don't let anybody tell you that just because you live in grace, we don't confess sin when we, we commit sin anymore. That's a lie. It's not biblical. I know it's not popular today. You don't get a crowd if you don't teach these things. And that's a problem with the church. But I would rather continue to teach the word. Because God is the one who judges us. Amen. Why would he give you an advocate if there's no job, advocacy job, that he has to do for you? He who said on the cross it is finished is now in the presence of God for us. What's he doing? Interceding for us. That you, I know you're going to make it. His blood guarantees that. His spirit will confirm the word of God. But you have to walk by the word, not your word. His word, not your word. Not my word. His word. Not what you think, but what the Bible has taught you and changed your mind, renewed your mind. Otherwise, you'll be conformed to the ways of this world and live in defeat. When in fact, you're more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. Look at that. Unless I'm not, I'm not understanding this. Look at verse 3. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by those who heard him. Then verse 4, God also bearing them witness. God is saying, listen to what I said. They said, I'm confirming it with signs wonders, miracles, gifts of the Holy Spirit to show you that indeed this Jesus is Lord and his death on the cross completely set you free. But you have to continue to look to him. You have to continue to look to him. It's not I believe in Jesus, I got born again, then I put Jesus aside and I start following traditions of men. Well, I just do what my church believes. 
And that person does what their church believes. And come to find out what this church believes is opposite what that church believes. So somebody's wrong, or they're both wrong. You can't take that chance with your life. We're talking about eternal life. There's no do-over. There is none. It is appointed unto men one time to die, and after this judgment, I would rather, my God, take the chance of being judged now to live according to the word. Amen. May God transform you by the power of the cross today. Amen. Let me show you another scripture. God, God likes proving things to people that this Jesus is Christ. Go to Acts chapter 2, please. I think it's verse 22. I didn't plan this, so just give me a moment to check it out. Acts 2. Acts chapter 2. 22, I said, right? Usually the first number that comes to your mind is correct. So let me see. Acts 2, 22. You men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man, watch this, a man approved. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> approved. Praise God. Ladies and gentlemen, through Christ, you are also approved. You are qualified. He has made us qualified in Christ. Amen. Some of you know that from Ephesians 1, it says we are accepted in the beloved. Accepted. The word accepted there means qualified or approved. You've passed the test already. So that part of it is completed. It's done. But he that saved you by his blood continues to sanctify you daily as we walk in the light. Not as you walk in darkness, but as you walk in light. As he is in the light, his blood continually cleanses us from all sin. He that saved us still washes us with the washing of water by the word that he may present us to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any blemish. I go to Ephesians 5. 26 and 27. He's going to present us to himself a glorious church, a church full of glory. In Christ, we go from grace to grace, glory to glory. But as you go from grace to grace, glory to glory, I'm going to repeat it. I think I saw somebody like, yeah, you need to tell. I'll tell you the scripture in a moment. As we go from grace to grace, glory to glory, it's because he's ironing out the creases. Iron. You know when you're ironing, it requires heat. Yeah, sometimes we have heat when we're going through life. The pressures of life. It took Christ to go through the crucible of suffering, the cross, to redeem us. Sometimes there's pressure in life. I tell you about my own life. There are some places I've gone through, and were it not for the heat and the pressure, I would have still stayed there. But the heat and the pressure made me run to God. I pray that you will have such an experience so that you run to God and walk in the light. For as you walk in the light, the blood of Jesus continually cleanses you from all sin. Amen. I'm going to go there and read in a moment. It was, it was Ephesians 5, 26 and 27. But let me finish this here. Acts 2, 22. Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved, right? You see approved? Approved of God. 
certified. Hallelujah. Certified. Approved of God among you by what? Miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you all, as you yourselves also know. And you can see the, the, the thought of the cross, the crucifixion, right in here. Let me read verse 23. You can see him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. God planned from the beginning. You have taken and by wicked hands have what? Tell me. Have what? By wicked hands have what? Crucified and slain. You see that cross? God hid his wisdom in the cross. God was like this. If you go ahead and crucify Jesus, that's how I'm going to redeem people. If you crucify Jesus, that's how I'm going to remove their curses. If you crucify Jesus, that's how I'm going to heal them. If you crucify Jesus, that's how I'm going to save them from sin. If you crucify Jesus, Satan, if you crucify Jesus, that's how I'm going to put the people above you. Hallelujah. This is what we have to be taught from the word of God. The crucifixion sets you free from curses. So stop listening to pastors who are telling you that you have generational curses. The crucifixion sets you free from curses. You have to meditate on what the crucifixion did for you. The crucifixion removed curses. It removed death, the power of death over your life. Please write them down. The crucifixion removed the power of death, number one. Number two, the crucifixion removed the power of what? Curses. Amen. Are you getting this? That number three, the crucifixion healed you of diseases. Number four, the crucifixion gave you elevation. It gave you elevation. That is, it put you above. Now you are seated in heavenly places. Number five, the crucifixion gave you authority over the devil. Now the devil is under your feet. Praise God. All right, I gave you five. Help me. Let's go. What did I say? Number one, the crucifixion delivered you from death. One. Two. The crucifixion delivered you from what? Curses. Amen. What was three? The crucifixion brought you healing. Number four, the crucifixion elevated you. Then five, the crucifixion put the devil under your feet. You are free. There, there is no altar. Ancestral altar. That is more powerful than the power of the cross. Hallelujah. Then number six, the crucifixion gives you life and life more abundantly. I will show it to you from scripture. The crucifixion gives you what? Life and life more abundantly. You know that from John 10 verse 10. The devil, the thief, in that case is a devil, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I came that you may have life and life more abundantly, right? Okay, I'm going to show you how the crucifixion gives you life, and you continue to have life. How does that work? It's because God said this, and I'm going to show, take you through the scriptures and show it to you. But let me just say it for now. God said this to Moses. Moses, the people of Israel have sinned. Snakes have come and are biting them, and they're dying. Right? But tell them, 
to look up. Pay attention, pay attention, please. Look up at the brazen serpent, the serpent of brass on the pole. Look up at it. And those who look up at it will live. Then Jesus comes on earth and Jesus says, and everybody knows this, the most famous scripture, beautiful scripture, everybody knows, John 3, 16, right? For God so loved the world uh -huh, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Amen. All right, today I want you to learn some more. For those who are serious Bible students, learn that scripture in addition to scriptures before it. Why? What does, how does the scripture begin? John 3.16, tell me. How, how does it start? For, F-O-R. Well, you never start from any conversation and say for. Well, what does that mean? For, for what? Why are you saying that? So you have to go to the thought before it. And the thought before it starts in verse 14, where Jesus himself said, just as Moses lifted the serpent in the wilderness, so I would be lifted up. Do you get this? Yes. Referring to his crucifixion. For God so loved the world. So that picture in the Old Testament of Moses lifting up the serpent in the wilderness was actually God showing the Israelites and the whole world. All of us. People who lived around where the Israelites were, up on the mountains, and they're watching these people. You're going, what is that? That's what? That's like a snake. Brass on the pole. What are those people doing? The Canaanites and the people are watching. Israel, Israel is a, is a preacher. God's preacher. God's preaching instrument to the world. They're watching. God was telling the world, through the cross, I'm going to set people free from dying, death. Through the cross, I'm going to heal them. Through the cross, if they look up, they will live. So that's why I give you point number six. The cross gives us life, and life more abundantly. But you have to keep looking. It's not like, you know, when I was 12, I received Christ. The first I remember making a confession of faith in Jesus. I was 12. And, I, you know, you forget that. And you just go live in here. No, no, no. You do it wherever you do it, and you continue to look up to him. He says, look to me and be saved. Ladies and gentlemen, we are his house if we hold fast to him. <laughs> I love my God. I'm not talking about doing a work to save you. You believe in Jesus to save you. And the work you have to do is to believe in Jesus. It is continually believing in him. It's not having believed and I forget. No, I believe and I live believing. This is my life. I live believing. This is my life. This is how you live. It's like you believe in Jesus, you receive him, and then you forget. Then you just go on living. No, 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 no. You believe in him, you become a new creation. Then the spirit lives, the spirit life through you. 
Amen. It's not, I believe in Jesus, and then now I'm going to do second works to prove myself. No. I believe in Jesus, and I was transformed. I'm a new creation. Now, it is no longer I living. It is Christ living in me, living out his life through me. Amen. Throughout the Old Testament, we see God sprinkling pictures here and there about the cross, saying, through the cross, I will abolish death. He abolished the power of death through the cross. Through the cross, he removed curses. Through the cross of Christ, he healed you. Through the cross of Jesus Christ, God lifted you up, raised you up, elevated you. Through the cross of Christ, he gave you authority and dominion over the devil. Through the cross of Christ, those who continue to look after him, live. Let me give you a challenging thought. That picture that Jesus quoted of the Old Testament was it's from Numbers 21, where the serpents had bitten the people. Numbers 21, probably verse 8, 8 and 9, thereabouts. Jesus quoted it in John 3, 14. And so, ask yourself this. So these people have been bitten by serpents, right? A serpent has, has been the person. Naturally, they're focused on the place where they got the serpent bite. Then God comes through Moses and God says, tell them, don't look at the problem. Don't even consider the pain. Look up at a serpent. You're like, wait a minute. A serpent bit me. You want me to look at a serpent? <laughs> Think about it. They were bitten by serpents. Now God says, Look at a serpent. You're like, wait a minute. I, I, I want my mind to be as far away from this thing that hurt me. God is saying, you know how I work? That thing that caused you pain, I'll defeat that same thing. Amen. God's talking to you today. That which God would give you pain, God will defeat it. And that place of your pain will become the place of your prosperity. The place of your pain will also become the place of your prosperity. What the devil sent to bite you, God is going to turn things around and use that as your message to the world. You can tell me or anybody. Been there, done that, and I've overcome. Look at me now. May this be your story in Jesus' name. The place of your pain will become the place of your prosperity. There are people in life who have experienced horrible pain, and that pain has been turned into their purpose. That's your purpose. To let people know you don't have to suffer this pain. I was there. Look at me. What God has done. He'll do the same for you. Oh yes. I mean not all of us have that kind of message. But in, in history there have been people who've gone through, gone through terrible pain. 
And that same thing has become the ministry. I never did, did drugs. But there are people who have messed up in drugs. And today, that is their ministry. Their pain is now their purpose. The source of their pain has become, God has turned it around and made it the source of their purpose. We need to understand that whatever has come against you, God will deal with that thing. That same thing. In that same place and give you victory over it. So serpents bit them. And God says, look at the serpent. <laughs> this same thing that hurts you, I will destroy this same thing in Christ on the cross. And as you look at Christ, my judgment against the thing that caused you the pain, I should look at the power that judge that thing. My power will come into you. You have divine power. You have divine power. And the effects of that pain, the memory of it, will no longer cause you pain. In fact, it will not come into remembrance. It will be a distant thing. When you remember it, you don't shake, you don't tremble, you don't feel it any longer in your body and in your mind. There's no depression, there's no anxiety, there's no fear. It's just something that you are aware of that happened to you, that God delivered you from, and not just delivered you from, but elevated you above it. He said, I'll be with you in trouble. I'll deliver you, and I'll honor you. You just have to call on me. And I'm teaching you today that you have to call on what? The power of the cross. Amen. You learned something? Alright. So, I think I was going to show you Ephesians chapter 5. I'm going to finish this next week. Ephesians 5. This is a lot more. Go to Ephesians 5, 26 and 27, please. Ephesians 5, 26. Talking about Jesus. Uh, excuse me, I'm going to read from 25. What I want is 26 and 27. It's going to read better if I start from 25. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. So talking about Christ, his love for the church. He gave himself for us on the cross. God so loved us, he gave Jesus. Jesus in grace, gave himself up. Verse 26, so that what? 26, Ephesians 5, 26, so that he might sanctify and cleanse it with what? The washing of water by the word. How does he sanctify you? By the wash, he washes you with his word. You're not sanctified by the scarf on your head. You're not sanctified by the robe you wear. You're not sanctified if you wear earrings or no earrings. <laughs> In fact, the book of Proverbs says, 
Just as a good word of wisdom beautifies your life, so earrings can beautify a person's face. It's in the Bible. Do your homework. Read it. Those your pastors who tell you you can't wear earrings. What does that have to do with salvation? Waste of time. Just sit there. Listen to that. Go and read it in Proverbs. Just as a word of wisdom beautifies your life, so earrings can beautify somebody's face. It's in the Bible. Go and read it. And go and tell your pastors who tell you, unless you, anyway, I don't know. Let me just, it's a waste of my time. Let's just go on. All right, Ephesians, Ephesians 5. You have to be serious with God. Live in the Word. Amen? Live in the Word. Ephesians 5, 26, that you might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the Word. We are sanctified by the Word. I said we are sanctified by the Word. What you are hearing today is purifying, it's transforming you. That's changed. Something is happening. Yes. Verse 27. That he might present it to himself a glorious church. Not having what? Spot. So you have a robe of righteousness, pure and clean. Why? Pure and clean. But sometimes there's spots in it. There's a spot. Red oil spot. Palm oil people. Coffee stain. Some of you still have cigarette stains. <laughs> oh, the smell of it. Well, the word of God will sanctify you. And you have victory over nicotine. Don't be afraid. This is not condemnation. Don't worry about it. The word will deal with it. And your lungs will be free. Amen. Come on, receive the deliverance in Jesus' name. The word is setting you free from nicotine. In Jesus' name. Your liver is getting healed from alcoholism. You are being set free in Jesus' name. Some of you get depressed on a Friday night. Can't wait to get home and start your alcohol binge, whatever, party by yourself. Depressed. You are loose, child of God, in Jesus' name. Amen? I said you're loose in Jesus' name. Oh, pastor, you're putting me under condemnation. I live in grace. Yes, you live in grace. Amen? And this is the grace of God setting you free from the power of alcohol. In Jesus' name. And the power of nicotine in Jesus' name. It doesn't make you unholy. You are still holy because the word that sanctifies you. But what I'm teaching you is so that you'll be healthy, so you can serve God with this temple in health, with long life. I said you are delivered from cirrhosis of your liver in Jesus' name. Your liver is cleansed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, you have to learn some of these things. People perish for lack of knowledge. Sometimes you have to learn certain, certain foods to eat that will purify your liver. Drive the excess fattiness in the liver out. Yes, yes, he says, God has given plants that can drive out, suck out the excess, a fatty liver. Suck it out. Yes. So go and read about it. Amen. Get your body strong. Get your body healed. Praise God. Last week Sunday after I preached, I mean, I was very excited. I had a good, great time. It was a wonderful time. Then I'm dizzy after, after service. <laughs> so anyway, I go home and uh, get something to eat and I get rest. And when I woke up, the dizziness was gone. And later on, I was thinking about it. You know, I was like, hmm, let me see. What I did, did not do. 
And I was like, okay. First mistake was I didn't have much sleep Saturday night. Then the second one, I didn't eat anything. Usually, that's a little bit of my personal problem. I don't eat before service. And I've been doing this since my 20s. But my body, and it don't judge me now, I live by faith, not by sight. I'm going to live to 120. I believe all that. But my body has been walking on earth for 60 years, not 20 years. So my body is no longer 20. So what I used to do, go and preach without eating, now my body is 60. Did not sleep Saturday night. You're praying, preparing, and all that. Then you don't eat. And I come here and I'm jumping and all over the place having a good time. And when I'm having a good time, I forget, you know, all this. Then I thought to myself, yes. So I thank God for the keys. I went back, I watched the video. I'm watching myself. What did I do wrong and all that? And I realized I didn't even take a sip of water last so when I put all of that together, you didn't sleep, you didn't eat before the service, you didn't, you dehydrated. Well, what do you think it's going to happen? Your body is not a machine. It's not, you know, I know it's a biological machine, yes, but I mean, it's not like, you know, I, you know, mechanical thing. You have to refresh it. I was like, oh, okay. So I, I, I figured all of that. I said, okay, I'm going to make a change. So, hallelujah. So happily, I come downstairs this morning and there's food. Glory to God. So now I have to make adjustments. Sunday morning, I was like, okay, yeah, you got to eat a little something. You have some energy. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. God is good. In my 20s, we had all night service every Friday and go to work after all night. Actually, go to work. You go in the job after all night. Then come back and do a miracle service in the afternoon. <laughs> that was my life in London. Just go Try and do it at 60. It's not good not to rest. This rest is also healing for you. So we're learning, making adjustments as we get along. It's nothing demonic, nothing spiritual. Sometimes it's just a natural thing. You have to correct, make adjustments. Eat the right things to rest your body. You know, don't be looking for demons when it's not a demon. Amen. It's like those of you who never service your car. When it breaks down, you begin to, I rebuke the devil in the name of Jesus. Leave my car alone. No. We, we need to pray for you to get, get your car serviced. All right, all right. Okay, come with me, Ephesians 5, 27, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle. If your clothes are wrinkled, what do you do? I don't know. Get some heat, get some pressure, heat and pressure. You press on it. I think they used to say press, press it, right? When you iron something, yeah. So heat and pressure. Transformation will come. The wrinkles will go, or any such thing, but that it should be holy, 
without blemish. Amen. In that same way, let me just give you a little something before we go away. Oh yeah, this is good. Some of you, your family need counseling. I saw that uh, last night. I saw it like on a billboard. God has just has put your family on full blast. I saw it in a vision. Family counseling. Your family needs counseling. Some of the things you're going through. The family needs counseling. You know, there's nothing wrong with it. Sometimes you need marital counseling. I know some of you have you get premarital counseling, but you never got marital counseling. Sometimes you should not wait for problems before you get the counseling. You have to arm yourself. Hello? You understand what I just said? There's premarital counseling. Your pastors insist on it before they marry you. They, they officiate your marriages. That's good. But marital counseling is also good. When there are problems and when there are no problems. Or marriage conferences, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And family. I saw that actually. I don't today. Family counseling. Some of you need it. All right, so let's just read 28 and then I'll move on. So, in the same way as Jesus, you know, ministers to us, nourishes and cherishes us, verse 28, so ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loves his wife loves himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, even as the Lord, the church. All right, so, husbands, listen to me today. All right, go, go home today. And do something that shows your wife that you nourish, you cherish her, and go and nourish her. Amen. Can I hear an amen? amen. Say amen. Yeah, you all, all, all of you husbands in the amen. world. Say amen. 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 And the church. Amen. I have some team members. Say amen if you are married. Amen. amen. Okay. All right. Now wives also, uh, you go and minister to your husband. Say Amen. Why is your amen week? Wives, also go ahead. Okay, next week I'll find a scripture for you. <laughs> I'll find a scripture for you. All right. Oh, let me give you a scripture and then we'll move away. Verse 33, Ephesians 5. Let me give the women a 33. Verse 33, give them a scripture. Verse 33. So your amen can be stronger because it wasn't strong at all. Verse 33, Ephesians 5. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself. So that's a man still. And the wife, and the wife, <laughs> excuse me, Elder Kofi, I just saw your wife smile. <laughs> and, and the wife, see that she reverence or respects or honors her husband. <laughs> so wives, see to it that you respect, reverence, and honor your husband. This is not for all women. This is just for wives. I repeat, women out there in the world, this is not for all women. This is for women who are married. You have a responsibility. God's not going to do this for you. You have to do this for you. For yourself, for your peace, for your marriage, you have, you have to see to it that you reverence. Reverence means respect, it means honor. Amen. 
By the way, this is going to be one of the most challenging areas of your own life as a wife. Where your attitude, you have to <laughs> consistently show respect. It's not easy. And a lot of wives don't even enjoy doing that. Actually, the sinful nature, before we say, sinful nature does not naturally like honoring. And a lot of you are better at talking than your husband. Communicating, yes. So, learn to bite your tongue. Your first mother missed it over here. She did not honor her husband, Adam. When the snake came to talk to her, she should have said, I defer to my husband. Who was first given? the rules concerning what you're talking about. Excuse me, Mr. Snake, what you're talking to me about? The one that God talked to you about is this, is him. Go and talk to him. Leave me out. She didn't do it. She's like, Adam, sit over there, sit over there. Snake, talk to me. <laughs> yes, that's what happened. She did not submit. She did not subject herself. Okay. Done with that. Go and do your family counseling. Amen. Alright. So the cross. I've actually given you all the points that I had. Uh, let me now walk you through the scriptures and show them to you. So you want to come to John 3 14. I already mentioned all these. Now we're going to walk through so you see for yourself. So John 3, 14. This is Jesus talking about the cross. Are you there? Those of you with me in, in church, the team. All right. John 3, 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. So Jesus is saying what Moses did was actually about himself. Right? Just as Moses did, so must I do. Hello, we get it? Why did Moses lift up the serpent? Because it's a picture of Jesus being lifted up. To what end? What was God's objective? Beyond what had just happened to the Israelites, what was God doing behind the scenes? What more was God doing that people were not aware of, that even the Israelites themselves were not aware of? It was so that, verse 15, that whosoever believes in him, Jesus, should not perish, but have eternal life. So the snake on the pole was equal to Christ on the pole or Christ on the cross 
to bring what? Eternal life. Verse 16, for God so loved the world. So the snake on the pole was for God so loved the world. Catch that? Verse 16 is based on verse 14 of John 3. Let, let's look at something else in, in John. Go to chapter 12. Just take another scripture to clarify what I'm saying. John chapter 12. Verse 31. 31 to 33. John 12. All right. Everybody at home, you have it? John 12, 31. Now, this is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. The prince of this world here refers to the devil, not Jesus. Because notice, that prince is being cast out. But it wasn't Jesus who was cast out. It's the devil. The word judgment here in verse 31 is crisis. In fact, from the Greek, crisis. K-R-I-S-I-S-K. -I -I That's the Greek. In English, obviously, C. C-R-I-S-I-S, plural, C-R-I-S-E-S. So verse 31, now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. Now, this time, what time? Now, now when what is happening? What is happening? Verse 32, and I, Jesus speaking, if I be lifted up, from the earth, will draw all men unto me. If I am lifted up. So at the time Jesus is lifted up, there will be the judgment of this world. That's when the devil will be dethroned. That's when he will be cast out. Well, what does the lifting up mean? What is he referring to? 33 explains it. This, John 12, 33, this he said Read that if you're in church with me. King James Version, read it. This he said, what? Signifying what? What death he should die. So being lifted up here is not going to heaven. Being lifted up here is the death of Christ. Lifted up where? Lifted up on the cross. So this explains John 3.14. As Moses Lifted up Jesus on the cross. So, excuse me, lifted up the serpent on the cross. So must Jesus be lifted up. The lifting up of Jesus here is being on the cross. Now look at it, verse 32 again with me. John 12, 32. One of the points I already gave you that the cross gives us elevation. The cross lifts us up. It's in John 12, 32. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will do what? Draw all men unto me. So when Jesus was lifted up, we were also what? Lifted up. We were drawn up with him. 
Do you see that? The lifting up here is his death on the cross. So the cross of Christ gave you your lifting. May God lift you up. May God elevate you. May God bring you up. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. You want to see that you are raised up. Ephesians 2, 6. Quickly, please. Ephesians 2, 6. As you're finding it, I'm going to start from verse 4. I just read from 4. What I want is verse 6. But I'll read from verse 4. Ephesians 2, 4. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has what? Quickened us. Quickened means made, made, made alive. Quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved. You saved yourself, he saved us. It's his favor. It's a gift. Verse 6 is what I want. Ephesians 2, 6. And as what? Raised us up together. So when Jesus said, when I'm lifted up, I will draw men. You see? He has raised us up together with Christ and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The cross gave you elevation. The cross made you sit high. Now you're looking low on the devil. He's under your feet. Everybody sees this. This is where you're seated. Your life is not in the ocean. Marine spirits are not dominating you. Your life is not in the grave. Your life is not in the cave. You are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Somebody say hallelujah. Please look at chapter 1, Ephesians 1. Still on where we are seated. Ephesians 1. It's right there. So, you know. I know there's a lot of scriptures, but we are in one, one book. Ephesians 1. Now, look at verse 19. Ephesians 1, 19. What is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought or executed in Christ, when he raised him from the dead, did we just read that we were raised together with him? We were crucified with Christ. We were buried with Christ. We are risen with Christ. Seated with Christ. Which he wrote in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. We just saw that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places, right? But the cross doesn't only deliver you from death. The cross doesn't only deliver you from curses. The cross doesn't only heal you. The cross elevates you and the cross puts you above the devil. Ephesians 1.21 Where are you seated? In fact, far above. All principality and power and might and dominion. All of them. Not some of them. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion, every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. God says everything down here, you have authority over. Anything that's going to come, you have authority over through Christ. And he has put all things under his feet, gave him to be the head of all things to the church, 
which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. Amen. You have been delivered. I'm going to pray this prayer for you before we close out today. On Thursday, Thursday, Wednesday night into Thursday, God showed me, I've never seen anything like this before. I was, I was shocked. I saw a flying snake, flying snake. I was like, wait a minute. What am I? What, why? Why is a snake flying? Birds fly. Snake flying, and so it jumps up. You ever seen how helicopters? Helicopters take off. So the snake comes up, and it's like it, it's almost like it had wings, and it's fluttering its wings, and that's keeping up. You know, like, uh, what's this bird? Is it a hummingbird that does that? Just flaps his wings so many times and uh, it just stays in place like a thousand times a second? I think it's a hummingbird. It is, so the snake is doing this weird, man. There's a tiny one. It wasn't a, a big snake. It's a tiny one. So it jumps up and it's just like, it's almost, it has wings and it's just, you know, just flapping the wings and it's staying. You know, staying afloat. And I see this huge rock come and crush it. Hit it. The snake goes down and the, the, the rock just smashes it into the air. That was one. Then I see another group. They also want to take off. Flying serpents. And again, this huge rock comes and smashes it. This is Wednesday night into Thursday. That's victory for you. Amen. Then Friday into Saturday, I saw a bronze man. Uh, it was like somebody was on a boat. You know, it's a vessel, like a ship, you know. Um, that's Give me a yacht if you want. I'll take it. But that's not that's on my field. It's not my, I don't have a lot of experience, so I don't know exactly how to explain it. But there is a there's like a ship, and you are inside. You know how uh, if you look at a ship, like a yacht or a ship, there's the there's a body part where people stay inside, and then between uh, the body part and the side of the ship, there's I don't know whether it's called a gully, but there's a walkway. Am I making sense? Like you got a, a vessel, and there's a walkway. You can walk around the ship, and in the middle is where people sleep. Does that make sense? Okay. So where you sleep, I see uh, the people inside come under attack. And a bronze man, an angel, comes with a sword. This, this is a very beautiful action. Just, you know, because I see, I'm watching the vision, I'm concerned. Like, they're asleep, they don't know. And, and these, like, these demons, these things are going to attack them. 
and I see just one angel, and he's bronze. I, I mean, just shining bronze, and he has a sword. And you ever see a pole voter? You know, uh, you know, high jump, but the other one, pole vote. They have this long, I don't know what they call it, the pole. And you're running, and you're sticking the ground, and you, you just uh, elevate yourself, propel yourself. Okay, so the sword was like a very long one. And this angel just sticks the sword on the ground, and it, the sword just keeps sliding. And that's how it just drove all these demons away. It's like, it was, it was just beautiful, man. So beautiful. I was like, ooh, hallelujah. So anyway, I, you know, I prayed. And I was like, Lord, flying serpent, I think... I've seen this thing in scripture, flying serpent. The Lord said, yeah, there are flying serpents. Isaiah chapter 30, I looked it up. Oh, verse 6. I'm going to continue next week. This is, this is good. I want to pray with you. Isaiah, no, no, Lord Jesus, help me. It's in the Bible. Somebody look up. It's 36, right? Uh, verse 30 and verse 6. Okay. Isaiah chapter 30 and verse 6. Okay, thank you. I thought it was right. How come it's not in my Bible then? I was looking at a, a different chapter. Okay. Thank you. Isaiah 30 and verse 6. King James Version. The burden of the beasts of the south unto the land of trouble and anguish. From whence come the young and old lion, the the viper and fiery flying serpent. They will carry their riches upon the shoulders of young donkeys and their treasures upon the, the bunches of camel, camels to a people that shall not profit them. Well, God showed me that that which would take your profit away, he has crushed with a rock, that's Jesus. God has crushed the flying serpent that would have stolen your prophet, whatever that prophet represents. God has crushed it. I saw it in a vision. And I said, Lord, flying serpent, I was, I, it's strange to me. I mean, I never really thought of serpents flying. And that was disturbing me. So my spirit is searching. And I was like, no, I have seen a scripture about a flying serpent. Amen. And, and the Lord said to me, yes. I spoke about that through my prophet Isaiah. So thank you for the, the reference. Yeah. Amen. And by the way, there are angels who are bronze. Ezekiel 40 verse 3. Can you quickly check that for me? Ezekiel 40 verse 3. And then, and then we'll pray. If it's correct. Ezekiel 40, there's an angel that's bronze. Oh, Daniel, Daniel also saw Daniel, Daniel 10. I want to pray. I want to pray. Somebody check Ezekiel 40, verse 6 for me. Let me see Daniel 10, maybe verse 16. Very quickly. Sometimes when you introduce something that's new to people, if you don't give them scriptures, they get all disturbed. They're like, what is this guy saying? So. All right, so Ezekiel 40, verse 6, is that correct? Verse 3, Ezekiel 40, verse 3, there's a bronze 
looking angel. So forget about the pictures that you've seen on, or the movies you see, you know, the paintings of angels. Ezekiel 40 verse 3. What does it say? Is that, is that correct? Ezekiel 40 verse 3? Yeah. All right. There's a bronze angel. Bronze looking angel. That man in Ezekiel 40 verse 3, that man was bronze. Somebody just shouted out to me. I wish I had the, the screen. Can you just read it to me, please? Ezekiel 40 verse 3. Okay, so there's a man whose appearance was like the appearance of brass. Okay, good. Revelation 1.15. Revelation 1.15. Did somebody check Daniel for me? I'm telling you, these things are in the Bible. I saw a bronze man with a sword driving out demons that had come to attack somebody, people who were on a boat, on a ship, who were sleeping. I saw this, and now I'm seeing in the scriptures, God is confirming Somebody, John saw Jesus in Revelation 1 verse 15 and he said his feet was like bronze. Is it 1 15? Let's go. Yeah, yeah. Revelation 1 15. Jesus was seen. His feet was like fine brass. That's Revelation 1 15. A third scripture is Daniel 10. I think it's verse 16. Uh, Minister Eddie, somebody confirm that for me. It's, it's thereabouts. At least I've given you two today. That's good enough for me. But uh, Daniel also saw that. So I'm not the only person who has seen an angel, bronze-looking angel. And this bronze-looking angel came with a sword, and he was like striking these demons off uh, the ship. They could not come to where the people were sleeping on the ship inside. Amen. I want to pray for you today. All right. Finally, we end with Numbers 21. Talked about it a number of times today. The cross is seen in Numbers 21. And that starts with verse 5. All right. The core scripture is verses 8 and 9. Already mentioned it. Jesus quoted as, as Moses lifted up the serpent, he must be lifted up. I showed you that that's the cross. And we saw six things the cross does for us. One was what? It removes what? Death. Yes? Two, the cross removes curses. Amen. He was made a curse for us. Curse is anybody who is crucified. So that the blessing of Abraham might come on us. Right? Galatians 3, 13 and 14. So we see that. Then, by his stripes, we are healed. On the cross, we are healed. So the cross gives us healing. The cross gives us elevation. Then the cross positions us above, far above the devil. Right? Then we have to keep looking up at him, to him, for more. Life and life more abundantly. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know where you are in your life. Whatever you're asking God for, he's giving you more. Yes. You see this here in Numbers 21, verse 5. 
And the people spoke against Moses, against God, against Moses. Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water. Our soul hates this light bread. Please be careful of your confessions. Because what you say, you will eat. You will have what you say. Your spirit being and the life you live comes from what your spirit speaks out of your mouth. From the spirit through your mouth. That's our spirit impact this world through speech. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. So be careful what you say. Verse 6, And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people. A lot of the people died. Actually, what, what was happening here is that Satan was coming after them already, and God's presence was stopping him. Then, they speak negative things that open the door for what Satan wanted to do to happen to them. It's not the devil, God who brought the serpents. They spoke serpent words. God's presence was stopping the serpent. Stopping the devil. But they opened the door. You get that? Okay. It's not what God caused. God allowed it because they called it to be what they wanted through what they were speaking. I'll continue next week. You're going to see that. That when they spoke negatively, in Numbers 14, God said, what you have said in my ears, that's what I'll do to you. So be careful what you say. Repent if you say the wrong thing. Take it back. Amen? That is why even in the natural, we have to apologize to one another. Confess your faults one to another. You have to take it back. So the devil can't use those words. Amen? So you have to be kind in your words. Amen. Don't say the wrong things one to another. Praise God. What's the next verse? Tell me what number. Six? Right? No, seven. seven. Therefore, thank you, seven. Therefore, the people came to Moses. Okay, notice this. They said, we've sinned, for we spoke against the Lord, against you. Pray to the Lord that he what? Everybody notice verse 7. He take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. What did the people ask for? Take away the serpents. Everybody notice. What did they ask for? Take away the serpents. So if you have a problem, you say, Lord, take away this problem. Amen. You get it? But don't stop there. You see how good God is? All that people asked for here was, Lord, take the serpents away. The Lord takes the serpents away, but he gives them more. Amen. In Christ, we are free from sin and all the effects of sin. God gives us more. May God give to you exceeding, abundantly, above all you are praying for. By the power of his spirit. In Jesus name. Come on people look at it. It says verse 8. And the Lord said to Moses. Make a fiery serpent. Or a serpent of brass. Set it upon a pole. The pole is a cross. And it shall come to pass. That everyone that is bitten. When he looks upon it. Shall what? Live. Look to Jesus and live. 
Notice the people didn't say we want to live. They just said, take the serpents away. God said, I'll do more than that. I'll give you more. I'll take away the problem and I'll give you life. I'll stop the death and I'll give you life and life more abundantly. I'll remove the curses, but I'll give you blessings. I'll take the sickness away, but I'm going to give you healing. And in fact, anoint you to heal the sick. Healing is yours. See how good God is? It shall come to pass, everyone that is bitten, when he looks upon it, shall live. So Moses made a serpent of brass, set it upon the pole, and it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten anybody, when he, he held the serpent of brass, he lived. Amen. I continue next week. You're going to see from here in verse 10, the next verses. The next verse is what? Momentum, prosperity, moving forward. Verse 10, and the children of Israel set forward, set forward. The cross, after the cross, you have what? Momentum. You go forward. That will be point number seven. And we'll pray. The cross sets you up to move forward. You go from glory to glory. We're going to pray. What does the cross do? What's the final point? It sets you up to have divine momentum. You move forward. Some of you, everybody is healed today, but some of you are not just healed, you're receiving a healing anointing to go and heal the sick. The place of your pain has now become the place of your power, the place of your prosperity. Let us pray. In the name of Jesus, I pray people from sin into righteousness. I pray you from the place of death. I declare that your covenant with death is abolished, is disannulled, is canceled. I disconnect you from anything that has rooted you into bondage. You are loosed. You are set free in the name of Jesus. May you be disconnected right now. I cut off, I cut off any cord that attaches you to a place of pain, to a place of bondage, of slavery, to a place of sickness, of fear. You are disconnected from it in Jesus' name by the power of the cross. The cross that sets you free from curses and gives you blessings. By the power thereof, you are loosed. You are free. You are delivered in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And now the Lord gives you divine momentum. May the anointing that came upon Elijah, that caused him to run faster than a chariot, may this self-save anointing, the power of God's spirit, come upon you. Those who have received Jesus, born again, now receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And everybody who already has the power of the Holy Spirit, receive that new anointing, fresh oil, fresh oil. Let dry bones live again. In Jesus' name, I pray for divine lubrication where there's dryness in your bones. Ligaments have been worn out and bones are rubbing against bone. I pray for divine lubrication. Divine lubrication. In the name of Jesus Christ, let the oil of God, fresh oil, come into you, heal you, nourish you in Jesus' name, the same Lord who cherishes the church 
and nourishes the church. Nourish you right now by the oil of the spirit in Jesus' name. Healing be. Be healed. Receive the balm of Gilead. The ointment of Gilead. So that healing will manifest. Father, work signs, work miracles and wonders in the lives of your people. In Jesus' name. Death is abolished. I pray for long life for you. In Jesus' mighty name. Now receive a healing anointing and go forth and set the captives free. In the name of Jesus. From the cross, we are set up to move forward, to have divine moment, to go from glory to glory, grace upon grace. Receive the anointing of God that propels you forward in the name of Jesus. May you be fast forwarded by God. Zoom ahead by the Lord God that as Elijah ran faster than a chariot, you run faster than those who went ahead of you. Now, now, let it be, let it be, let it be. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Begin to thank God right now. All over the world. Wherever you are. Right here in the United States. Right here in the sanctuary. Everywhere you are watching us. Ghana, London, all over the world. Begin to thank God. Thank God. Thank God. If you receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior today, say thank you, Lord, for saving me with the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that the cross of Christ saved me. I believe in your death on the cross and your resurrection. I am saved. I am sanctified. Thank you. Those of you who received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, say thank you for giving me power. Thank you for giving me power. And begin to thank God and praise Him. Praise Him right now. Praise Him in your language. Praise Him in new languages. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord now. Pray in the Spirit. In your home. I give you praise. I give you thanks. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 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 And Father, I give you thanks and praise that whatever your people have asked you for, as we've seen in Scripture today, you've given them more than they asked. Thank you. Thank you. People of God, the Spirit of the Lord ministered that to me before I came today. And the Spirit is quickening that to me again. To emphasize to you that whatever you ask God for, God is giving you more than it. Please receive it. Please receive it. Just, just be settled in your spirit. Be, be at a place of peace. They asked for God to take away the serpents. God did that, but that God healed them. God said, Look up to Jesus, and you'll live. God placed them above their enemies. You see that. I see God giving you more. Please take it. I'll minister some more next Sunday, but take it today. It's important to take it today. What you are anxious about, worried about, that you pray. God said to me before I came today to let you know He's giving you more. He's giving you more. Oh, He's giving you more. Hallelujah. Come on.
God, with people who will give praise to God. Thank him for giving you more, giving you more, giving you more. Oh, hallelujah. Now to him who is able to do exceeding, abundantly, above all that we ask for, and even think about, dream of, to him be glory and praise in our lives. World Missions Ministries, in the body of Christ, in your life, in your nation, your family, families that need counseling, that need healing. May God do more than you pray for, than you ask for. By the power of His Spirit, yokes are destroyed, burdens removed. In the name of Jesus, strongholds demolished. In Jesus' mighty name, miracles, signs, wonders. Follow this word today. In Jesus' name, the Lord give you more. Make you a blessing to humanity. Thank you. I thank you, Father, that you came as the angel of God. That bronze man you showed me. Thank you that you came and you destroyed by the sword of the Spirit all the demonic attacks that had come against God's people. Thank you. Thank you for sending the angel of the Lord to drive away those demonic attacks in Jesus' name. Thank you also, God, rock of our salvation, for releasing the rock in whom we trust to crush the fiery flying serpents. Hallelujah. I give you praise. And now the blessings of God that make rich to which God adds no sorrow. Rest and abide upon you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. All serpents speaking against you. All legal troubles are squashed. And victory has come. In Jesus' name. By the faith of God. Call it down. Let's give praise to God, everybody. Give praise to God. Give praise to God. Give praise to God. Come on, people. All the world over. Give praise to God. We love you. God bless you. God bless you. Hallelujah. 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 I want to pray over your offerings, your tithe, your gifts of love, whatever you have to give unto the Lord. As the Lord bless you. We honor you, Father, with our tithes, with our offerings, gifts of love. We give to God that there will be meat in God's house for the work of God. Lord, this is our worship. We honor you with it. In Jesus' name, bless everybody given in the church today, given around the world. Bless them in every area of their lives. Increase their seed song. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 God bless you. Amen. Thank you. I received it. Thank you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Well, for everybody online, very quickly, I want to show you uh, three ways that you can give into this ministry. Ways to give. Three ways you can give. Uh, so use whichever way is convenient for you. Number one, you can give by via Zelle. Zelle transfer to World Missions Ministries. The phone number for Zelle transfer is 571 234-2387. I repeat, the phone number 
for Zelle transfer. 571-234-2387. The second way is via PayPal. Via PayPal. Just go online to wmmchurch.org. wmmchurch.org. And just click the donate button and give as the Lord has blessed you and as you choose to. So that's the second way via PayPal online, wmmchurch.org. Finally, you can send a check to World Missions Ministries by mail to 6805 East Clinton Street, Clinton, Maryland, 20735, that's USA. I repeat, World Missions Ministries, the address is 6805 East Clinton Street, Clinton, Maryland, 20735, and that's USA. Thanks, God bless you. Have a fantastic week. Be blessed. We love you, God bless.